Yes, indeed. Back here, LA Gridiron Weekly, 877-710-3776-877-710 ESPN. We go to the guest line right now, a guy who covers the Chargers for Sports Illustrated. He's Fernando Ramirez. You can follow him on Twitter at Real F Ramirez on Twitter. He's my guy. He's going to get us all plugged in. What's going on with the Chargers currently, you know, obviously. And Fernando, man, first of all, glad to have you on the program, my dude. Uh, mini camp is over. Summer vacation is here for the Chargers. Let's start here, though. Mini camp, obviously the last look of what this team is going to look like heading into training camp. What were your takes of the Chargers after training camp or after minicamp? Well, first off, thank you for having me on the show. This is exciting. Um, I'm excited to be on here with you. And you know what? I noticed a lot of tire tracks uh, <laughs> outside of the facility. Everybody was ready to to get going. It's, it's not just vacation for them. I mean, I think us too, we got to take a little bit of a break and, yeah. and, and kind of chill out. But my initial thought was the head coach brandon staley he did a lot of different things uh you know the the there was like gonna be a holdout between the players and the and the uh, nflpa about they didn't want to go back to the facilities they wanted to be on their own well brandon staley asked the charger players what do you guys want how can we effectively work and at the same time protect you guys and you guys not get hurt charged them out for the last few years. Derwin James has gotten hurt. Uh, Hunter Henry got hurt in minicamp a couple of years back. Melvin Ingram in 2013 got hurt in minicamp as well. So what can we do? So no 11 on 11s. Uh, there was no helmets during OTAs. So these guys were, it was, it was literally like a walkthrough basically. So uh, Corey Lindsley, their new center, highest paid yeah. center, he told us that it was incredible that Brandon does really listen to the players, that he's taking them into consideration, and they really felt like they did a lot of really good work, but at the same time, they were they stayed safe. So that's my initial take. I mean, we've heard Jalen Ramsey, Khalil Mack, Von Miller. They've all come out and spoken incredibly about Brandon, and now to see that action in motion, I mean, it, it was a, a pretty good sight to see um, what he was doing and, and kind of the difference between him. And I mean, I, I've been around uh, with Mike McCoy. I was around with Anthony Lynn. Yeah. He does everything differently. So it's interesting to see something completely different than the norm. So basically, he had the players in bubble wrap the last, what, month and a half, two months, pretty much. <laughs> and you know what? That's not a bad thing. That, that is. is you're not, right. <laughs> that is not a bad thing. But also, he didn't. So you know how there's two fields. Yes. He was using both fields. So on one field, he had uh, Justin Herbert and Chase Daniel. On the other one, he had Easton Stick and some of the other some of the other players uh, going going head to head. And we asked him why, and he's like, "So we can get eyeballs on everybody." He's like, "Just because some of the guys are considered starters, we need to get eyeballs on the 82nd player on here, on the 81st. We need to get eyeballs on everybody." So really, Brandon is giving everybody a chance to win a spot on this 53 man roster. So that again was impressive to me. Man, we're talking Fernando Ramirez. He's a Sports Illustrated beat writer for the Chargers here on LA Gridiron Weekly and they, I, I'm gonna stick with for, uh, I'm gonna stick with um you know Coach Daly right here Fernando because yeah. I think we only knew him for a year in Los Angeles. We saw what he was able to do with the Rams defense. How much of maybe the Rams culture do you see Brandon Staley bringing over to the Chargers? You know what's incredible? Four years ago, he was at John Carroll as yeah. a coach. And all of a sudden, he, he Thanos is it, snaps his fingers, and now he's, in, <laughs> uh, now he's the head coach of the Chargers. Um, 
I really think that he's going to bring a similar culture, but he brings a different style. Like I know Sean McVay sometimes listens to his players and everything, but this guy's doing everything different. And it seems like, I mean, Uchenna Nuosu, now that Melvin Ingram's gone, that position is up for grabs, that uh, edge rusher, because he told me it's not outside linebacker, it's not defensive end. <laughs> so that edge rusher, Uchenna Nuosu said, I looked at Leonard Fournette film from last year, or Leonard Floyd, sorry. Well, yeah, you got Leonard it, yeah. Floyd film from last year to see what I could do. Now, they're not the same body type, but right. <laughs> it, he wants to have a breakout season the way Leonard did. Another guy to look for, Nazir Adderley. Uh, that guy could easily be the John Johnson of last year. For the Rams, he could be that for the Chargers this year. So I'm really looking at some of these uh, spots. And for the defense, it sounds it's going to be very similar. Joey Bosa said he might drop back into coverage. So it, it, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of similarities. <laughs> it seems like he's going to be moving Joey around a lot on the field, the same way he did with Aaron Donald. So uh, And then Chris Harris Jr. and Derwin James – According to both the Chris Harris Jr., they're going to be positionless players. They're going to be put all over the field, and you're not going to know where they are, and the defenses are going to have to see where 33 and 25 are. So I'm not going to lie. I get a little excited when I hear about this. (laughs) I hear it, man. I hear it. I'm a nerd, and I'm like, (laughs) I want to know how this defense is really going to work because I see some of it on the field, but, Kirk, you know. These guys are trying to hide everything from us. Right. So they're just like, they're they're literally pillow fighting when we're out there. <laughs> and when we're not out there, I wonder what they're really doing. But uh, it sounds like this defense really is going to be completely different from uh, what the Chargers were, um, from what the, and Kenneth Murray, another one, yes. first yeah. round draft pick. I didn't seem like he it sat well with him the way they were playing him last year. And right. he's not the first player. Drew Tranquil also came out and spoke out about, kind of the defensive packages that they were running last year. he's like at one point i was covering tyreek hill he's like <laughs> why am i covering tyreek hill like in my head i'm gonna think okay yeah. maybe i can do this but come on so uh it seemed kenneth murray supposed to be uh more uh rushing the passer a little bit more he right. might be sideline to sideline so it seems like these guys are in a system where they're the they're going to be used to the best of their ability and these guys are completely comfortable with it joey bosa was smiling yesterday yeah i don't see a lot of joey bosa (laughs) smiling so for the fact that he was out there he was smiling he said i'm excited to be a charger i'm like okay i'm like let's see what uh let's see how this uh continues well, I think also, too, is because obviously practices are a little more dialed down than maybe in years past. And I mean, obviously, for the first time now, this is really Joey Bosa's defense, like it for is. real. Like he is now the leader of the defense. And I think that's the next question I have for you, really, because you've wrote, uh, you know, written a couple of great pieces for Sports Illustrated, mm-hmm. one in which, you know, you talked about the depth along this Chargers team, how you may question in some areas. But I want to look at the reverse. What is the strength right now of this Chargers team? What position group is it the is the strength of this team? Besides quarterback, right? Besides, <laughs> besides the quarterback spot. And look, I've got my I got some questions on that a little bit later. Okay. But what's the what's the strength right now of this Chargers team outside of quarterback? I would say right wide receiver. I, I think they're really stacked at that position. Um, there's questions about who, like, are they going to carry five? Or, or well, they're going to carry five. Are they going to carry six? Are they even going to probably carry seven? That's the question. You have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. They're making the team. So is Josh Palmer. Now the question is behind them. Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton had very good seasons last year. Yes. I had questioned them last season because I thought they needed a third receiver. Okay. At times last year, Jalen Guyton would make one catch and it was a 70-yard catch. That, that That's great. But then where is that? 
that ten yard catch that you can move the chains with. They didn't have besides Keenan and Mike that you they didn't have a, a move the chains kind of receiver. Now you bring one in with Josh Palmer, third round pick out of Tennessee. He's a guy that I think is underrated. I think a lot of people aren't really noticing him. He's big. He's athletic. He can go up and make grabs, similar in a way to Mike Williams. Right. Um, then you have Tyron Johnson, who made that incredible catch in Tampa Bay. Um, when uh, Justin held the ball and was able to get it to him for that bomb, so they're they're the there to me there there's five receivers right there. Then you have Joe Reed, who is supposed to be the ultimate gadget weapon. They thought, but Anthony Lynn and, and the Chargers really didn't. Shane Steichen didn't really use him at all last year. And then KJ Hill, who's another who's the, the punt returner. He had a couple of drops, a fumbles against the Raiders, and it just wasn't all there. So now there's another question. So. It, it, that to me is the most stacked position that the Chargers have right now. So Justin Herbert is going to be one happy quarterback this season with with all the different guys he's going to be able to throw to. Yeah, I got two questions within that group now, and one of them is Mike Williams, wide receiver, first round pick. He's going into his fifth year. This is the last year of his rookie contract. Plan on that fifth year option. Do you think the Chargers get a deal done before training camp, or does he play this year out and maybe test free agency? So the way Tom Telesco does this is if this isn't done by training camp, I, I, I don't think it gets done until after the season's over. So Tom, last year, we were asking him questions, and he said, the Joey Bosa and Keenan Allen, when it, when it comes time to it, we'll get it done, we'll get it done, we'll get it done. Well, right before training camp, he got both of those guys signed, and they walked into training. I think Joey said he was in his car waiting to see if he was going to go into the team hotel. And I think 15 minutes before the cutoff time was, his agent sent him done deal. And he's like, all right, cool. Got out of his car, walked in the <laughs> team hotel, and was ready to go. So if it doesn't get uh, done before training camp, I'd be very surprised if it got done until after the season. I think they really want to see what Mike has. Mike has been a guy that's been up and down. His first season, it was he had back problems. Injuries, Second season yeah. shows out uh, with 10 touchdowns. Second, third season, he has 1,000 yards. And then last season, it was a little bit of – a mixed bag i think mike is talented i think mike is one of the best this is to me who mike is the clutch receiver the guy that if you need to play down the field he will make that play at the end of the game so i think mike is very valuable to this team in my opinion i think this year he's going to really grow because the way uh joe lombardi told us the offensive coordinator he's going to be in that michael thomas position and yesterday or wednesday we had drew Brees at camp and I, saw that, yeah. I, I go up to I go up to the uh, to the PR and I'm like, hey, is there any way we can, uh, you know, talk to Drew Brees? And then he's like, let me ask him. And I'm like, all right, cool. Drew comes over and, and we and he was asked about uh, Mike Williams being in that in that role in that Michael Thomas role. He said to me, there's two receivers in the NFL that are unguardable. And Mike Williams is one of those guys he's like the way I saw him play last year. Mike had, I think, six catches for over 100 yards and two touchdowns last year in New Orleans. So he thinks Mike Williams is unguardable. He'll fit well into that role. So if that's what he's going to do, and then Keenan is Keenan, I mean, the, these guys are really going to be able to roll and get it going. But yeah. in my opinion, I think Mike is valuable. I think they should. But it's going to be really up to the team because, like I said, Josh Palmer does a lot of the similar things that Mike does. So that's going to really be a toss-up if, uh, if the Chargers decide to bring him back next year. Sports Illustrated beat writer for the Chargers, Fernando Ramirez, joining L.A. Gridiron Weekly here on 710 ESPN. My last question with that group is pretty much, can we get Keenan Allen some publicity, man? I mean, Keenan Allen is probably one of the most underrated wide receivers in all of the NFL. You can't really put a, 
a price tag or understanding of what he really means to an offense. I think he's one of the, I think he is the best route runner in the NFL, but yet he doesn't get that credit. What can we do quickly? What can we do to get Keenan Allen some hype? You know, what's funny is I think the Chargers uh, Twitter is trying to do that as much as they, <laughs> they can. are. Yeah. Um, but Keenan's Keenan. I mean, he's just been one of those guys that works. He works. He works. He makes all the grabs. Um, he, he breaks records. He does all kinds of stuff, but it's just quiet. And I don't know if it's because they're the second team in L.A. or what it is. But, man, Keenan is so talented uh, on Compass on the Beat, uh, mine and Gilbert Manzano's uh, podcast. We yeah. had him on. Our Chad Johnson on, and he said, Keenan to me is one of the top two route runners in the NFL. And I said, why top two? He's like, I'm not going to tell you in order, but him and Devonte Adams yeah. is like oh, yeah. two of the best. And I'm yeah. like, yep, I agree. <laughs> so um, Johnson, Chad Johnson said that he feels like Keenan needs to show out a little bit more, maybe do a little bit more of the theatrics. I mean, that's just not Keenan though. Right. Keenan's more of the having fun. A couple of years ago though, I got a quick story for you. He catches a touchdown pass. He runs up. A fan has a WWE belt. So Keenan grabs it, puts it around his waist and calls him like he like uh, flexes towards the camera. They give him a 15 yard penalty and everybody's like, come on, dude, he's just trying to have fun. So I I definitely think Keenan's very underrated. I think there was a list that came out where he was the 16th best receiver. And I was like, dude, come on. So I I think this I think now with Justin a year together, him and Keenan, now they've kind of figured themselves out last year. I think this year Keenan's going to numbers are going to jump up. And I expect Keenan to have another Pro Bowl uh, season, and hopefully it'll get him some love out there because he definitely uh, he definitely deserves it. Last question for you, Fernando. You mentioned it, Justin, and I know it took us to the last of this interview to talk about Justin Herbert, but let's be honest. I do have some reserve because we've seen quarterbacks have phenomenal first year, rookie years, and then, and then they have that sophomore slump. And now you have a new offensive coordinator. He'll be learning a new offense under Joe Lombardi. You know, obviously they added some receivers. They got the offensive line adding Rashawn Slater in the first round. And so I honestly believe what's a realistic expectation for Justin Herbert being what we saw just a year ago. Where does he need to go to even show improvement? You know, it's funny is that <laughs> when you have a season the way Justin just exactly. did. <laughs> To me, I think he's going to have a similar season next year. I think the maybe the yards, well, yards and touchdowns will be up because it's going to be one more game added on. Right. Justin only had 15 games last year and he broke all those records. That was incredible. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Justin had a Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes second season where he just blows up, goes completely nuts and win. I mean, I'm not saying MVP, but he completely shows out. That wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me. But I think he's going to be right around the range that he was last year. Uh, I think he's, like you said, this is his sixth offensive coordinator in six seasons dating back to Oregon. This is his fifth new head coach in the last six seasons dating back to his freshman year in Oregon. Yeah. So Justin, to me, this is the same thing I I keep on getting told, and it's Drew Brees. It's people around the league. I'm asking some of the, like, top-notch people to see what they think. The first thing they say is he's smart. The kid has had a – he won the Heisman for for, – Average the, yeah, the, the scholastic Heisman. Yeah, hey, there you go. It's not talked about that much. So, right. I uh, remember. Yeah, yeah. So he won that. And people say that he just gets in the playbook and he just starts looking at it and he starts remembering everything. Brandon said that they gave him a couple of plays uh, before they got into OTAs that he comes in and that Justin was calling even more of the offense. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa what, what, what's all this? He's like, I, I got ahead in the playbook a little bit. And he was very surprised by it. So 
it seems like in like I said, the three systems that they're supposedly going to run the four is they took implements from Green Bay from their offense, New Orleans's offense, uh, San Francisco's offense, and a little bit of what these guys like to do like to do last year. So it seems like they're all putting it together. And it seems it's something that Justin really likes. We asked Justin, what are you going to do this these next five weeks? He's like, I have my computer. I'm going to have my plays down. He said, I'm going to watch what the offense did, what the defense did. He's like, I want to watch both. And so it's incredible because most quarterbacks will say, oh, I'll watch mm-hmm. what we did. But Justin wants to read both of them to see what he can learn. Another positive from this is Brandon is a defensive coordinator who played quarterback in college. That helps Justin a lot because they're going to sit down together and they're going to, they, well, according to what I had, uh, what I had been told is they've already sat down together and they analyzed every single game Justin played last year. Justin had three bad games yeah. against the Patriots, against the Dolphins and against the Buffalo Bills. They've sat together. They've watched all three. He's, uh, he, He's shown him exactly what he did wrong. Justin knows exactly what he did wrong. So to me, I feel like Justin's going to show improvement. But the thing is, like you said, after a record-breaking year, how can you show improvement? Well, I guess <laughs> it's have the, the same kind of numbers, if not a little bit more. But I definitely think uh, I, I you're right to have your concerns, especially with the history that Lombardi had with the Detroit yeah. and now coming into a new system. But it seems like everything is going the right way. The coaches are happy with the progression that Justin's made. So that's going to be that's going to be something uh, fans, media and everybody's going to want to monitor uh, in training camp, how Justin progresses um, throughout the whole thing. And he's a Sports Illustrated beat writer for the Chargers. He's Fernando Ramirez. Follow him on Twitter at Real F Ramirez. Also, tell him what he can listen to you at, too, man. I know you, you and Gilbert got the podcast going. Give me a quick little shot on the podcast so everybody can listen to it. I appreciate it, Kirk. It's uh, Compas on the Beat. Gilbert and I, we're one of the only two, probably, there's probably only a handful of Latino journalists out there. Two of us cover the Chargers, so we decided to build this podcast. Kirk, I want to throw it out there for all the listeners who are here. We want to invite you to come and talk with the Compas. We want to have you on. We want to chat with you. We'd love to, we're extending an invitation for you to hopefully come on one day. We, we would totally love to have you. Hey, let's do it, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all the way down. I will definitely return the favor, man. I'll be listening to that podcast. Appreciate it. Fernando Ramirez, man. Look, I'll be listening to more as we get, as we uh, move ahead to training camp. All right. Hey man, we'll talk to you down the line, man, for best of luck. And we, uh, I guess, catch up with you soon. Thank you. <laughs> All right, that was Fernando Ramirez. He covers the Chargers for Sports Illustrated. Well, we'll dive into what he uh, had to say about these Chargers. What do you think about the Chargers? Let me know. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. More LA Gridiron Weekly coming up next. 877-710-3776, 877-710-ESPN is a number. ESPN is a number. At Kirk Morrison on Twitter, at Kirk Morrison also is my Instagram handle as well. Getting great feedback, uh, getting your thoughts on what do you think about the NFL's COVID vaccine um, protocols for players if they decide to get vaccinated, if they don't decide to get vaccinated. And, you know, there's been some pushback by a couple players. More, um, I get most known is Cole Beasley, the wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills, formerly of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he's entering his 10th season in the NFL. He says he's been doing it his way since he got into the league as an undrafted free agent player. And he's still going because he believes in himself. He believes in his immunity. He believes in what he puts in his body and he is against the COVID vaccine. So not not necessarily against it, but he just says, Hey, 
I take my chances. And he talked about retirement, retirement before taking the vaccine. Can you believe that? Um, Somebody else was speaking about retirement. We'll get to that in uh, just a couple minutes. We got my guy, Paul Gutierrez. He's the uh, Paul Gutierrez. He's the ESPN reporter for the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll get his thoughts on someone else who was talking about retirement as well. So 877-710-ESPN is the phone number. I think we have uh, one call out there. Uh, Let's go to Mitch. Let's go to Mitch out there. Kirk, how you doing? Happy Father's Day to you. Oh, you too as well. Thank you. Appreciate it, Mitch. What you got for me today? I should have got the notification 27 years ago. One of the hardest hardest job in the world, but uh, (laughs) there's also some good stuff. Yeah. Um, I think it's wise. I think it's smart. I wish I had to say I got COVID too. We all did, but we were lucky. We didn't have to go to the hospital. Still wore masks. I still wear masks. I took the, the Johnson Johnson one shot. And hopefully I don't have to see you uh, next year. I hope we don't get any booster shots. I hope this is it. Right. Uh, I don't know. But uh, i got to cross your fingers. Uh, I think the Chargers and, and, and the Rams got the Raiders, too. All happy with the quarterbacks, wide receivers. Uh, to me, great division, both races. And speaking about quarterbacks, USC, you know, a big guy, big fan of USC. I love their backups, the two guys that came in early. They really want to be well. Yeah. And they're looking to the future. Every they get there's so many good quarterbacks, you know, four star quarterbacks. But the one that got away from USC, the big whale, you could say, DJ Ugale, I think he's gonna be a top pick, not this year's draft, but the following following. <laughs> he's got a cousin who's a freshman as a quarterback, and he's got a, a brother, six five, two sixty. When I was a sophomore in high school, I was five one, one ten. I made my mom go to the doctor, I ran out crying. <laughs> Why? Why? I don't want to be short. It's not so bad now. Oh, but man. That's, uh, 40 years ago. I, I hope we you. get that tight end. And thanks for taking my call. Sure appreciate the, the Yeah, appreciate the phone call, Mitch. I think you, uh, he's talking about the Clemson quarterback. He went to uh, St. John Bosco out here, DJ Uyunglele. Uh, he'll be the new quarterback for Clemson this year, the full-time starter. Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick to the Jaguars, is now gone. And now the this team, the Clemson Tigers, will try to – get to a, another national championship game, this time on the back of DJ Ui Unga Lale. I just like saying it because I learned how to say it so many times, so I'm going to keep saying it because I had to learn it. That's what they give us at the ESPN College Football. They give you a little mandate. Here you go. You got to make sure you know this name because we're going to be talking a lot about DJ Ui Unga Lale of Clemson. But coming up next, Paul Gutierrez, ESPN reporter for the Las Vegas Raiders. Someone was talking retirement this week. Had he been traded, he would have retired. Take a listen. Coming up next here on LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. I've said it over and over again. I probably quit football if I had to play for somebody else. You know, I, I am a Raider for my entire life. I'm going to root for one team for the rest of my life, and uh, it's the Raiders. I think we can all agree that if, if we were able to pull it off and win a championship here, that, that would feel much better than just piling a whole bunch of great players together and figuring, joining up and doing it that way. I'd rather go down with the ship, you know what I'm saying, if I have to. When I sign a contract, I you know, I, I completely, uh, in my mind, have to fulfill that. Yes, that was uh, Derek Carr, quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders, back here on LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. And, yes, Derek Carr had some uh, 
uh, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around what is Derek Carr saying? Retirement? Look, I don't have the answers, but a guy who I know has the answers, he's a reporter for ESPN covering the Las Vegas Raiders. He also covered me, so we go back some time <laughs> as well, man. My, my guy, Paul Gutierrez of ESPN, joining LA Gridiron Weekly right now. Paul, tell me, what did I miss? What is this going on? Because, hold on, a quick side story. Yeah. When I hear retirement and I hear you know a Raider quarterback talking about that, Paul, I immediately thought of Carson Palmer. I remember when he forced his retirement with the Cincinnati Bengals the following year, they ended up trading him to the Raiders and he ended up playing. So this whole retirement thing, if they would have traded me, I'm like, is it, was this, is this true? Is this real Paul? You know, it's interesting. And, and thanks for having me. Kirk is, is Derek is nothing if not very calculated. He, he measures everything. He says everything has a meaning. He's not going to be very flippant. This was the first time that we've had a chance to talk to him in a public setting since right. the season ended. And there was plenty of times where, Seasons have ended and, and he has not spoken to us. And usually it's, it's you know, you kind of get the, the, the autopsy, so to speak, of the season, right? And, right? and there's been times where the quarterback, the leader, has not spoken. So anytime he's going to speak, it's going to be newsworthy. And anytime he has a message he wants to get out, he's going to get it out in that type of setting. So to me, yeah. not only did he <laughs> show his undying loyalty to the coaching staff, to Mike Mayock, to John Gruden, to Mark Davis, to Raider Nation as a whole, to show that, hey, it's all about loyalties. You know, I'm just a kid from Fresno and, and you know, I, I didn't have much. I don't have much. We can get into that later. Right. But <laughs> he shows his undying loyalty. But at the same point, he torpedoes his own trade value. Yes. What team is going to want to acquire him in the trade if he's saying, oh, no, 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 I'm a Raider for life. I'm not going to play for anybody else. I'd rather retire. I'm going to go down with the ship. So it was very calculating. It was very interesting. And yet so transparent to those of us that have been around the organization, been around him, been around any organized sport. Uh, for any time anyway, to see exactly what he was doing. Um, it would it will be interesting to see how that message was received within the walls, though, of uh, of that uh, complex with, with the coaches and the and the owner and things like that. Paul, you are spot on, man. Seriously, that's why yeah. I'm talking to you, because you're spot on <laughs> when it comes to this. Seriously, because obviously the Aaron Rodgers saga in Green Bay is still ongoing. Now, do I think he'll be traded to the Raiders? No, but I, I don't know what's going to happen for 2022. I know we're focusing on 2021. Right. But Aaron Rodgers could be the most coveted quarterback in 2022. For a team that feels like, hey, we're a player, we're a quarterback away from going to a Super Bowl, that could still be on the table. But like you mentioned, I hear this from Derek Carr. And also, too, it puts into my my head, has he discussed this before with the ownership? That if there were possible rumors, hey, if you guys try to trade me, I would retire. Like, this doesn't just come out of nowhere. Yeah, and, I, and I'll tell you what's interesting is I, I did a radio interview in Las Vegas over the summer, uh, over the offseason, actually. It was, yeah. it was earlier in the winter. And um, I, I let it slip. Uh, I kind of scooped <laughs> myself, so to speak, that there had been last season uh, contract talks for an extension. Derek Carr wants an extension. Who wouldn't want an extension, right? Correct, yeah. Um, so, of course, those talks are going to happen. Well, I got an angry uh, message from, let's just say, from Carr's camp that it never happened. Okay, good. Then I can quote you on the No, 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 I don't want to go on the record. I'm like, okay, well. Here's the point. The point is, if you want to float some sort of a story out there that your client is highly coveted and, and could demand a huge thing, well, that again, you're reading the tea leaves. That means they want the extension, as he should. And he's put up these great numbers, but it's not translating into wins on the field. So then the fans of Derek Carr, and, and you know, we've talked about this before, Kirk. Yeah. I've covered this team in one way or another up in the Bay Area and in Vegas since 2005. My first ever professional you know, football experience really 
was the LA Raiders in 1988. I was a right. fan of the Raiders when I was a kid. I have never seen a more polarized, polarizing figure in Raider history than Derek Carr, meaning people either love him or they despise him. And there's nothing in between. I mean, you had the Jamarcuses and you know all yeah, about I was, Yeah, we, we were there you together. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Todd Marinovich back in LA, right. Mark Wilson. It was one or the other with those guys. You didn't have these separate but equal camps, so to speak, with Derek Carr. So to, to answer a long-winded answer to your short question, <laughs> you know, he had to have. Right. Because he then, Derek Carr, after he got off that with us, he, he sat for an exclusive with the Las Vegas Review Journal, the hometown newspaper, the, the now paper of record, and admitted that, yeah, there have been talks, even though I was told there wasn't, you know, off the record, so to speak, yeah. and not for publication. So there's all these messages flying about Derek Carr. All the guaranteed money is basically paid out. And right. it goes back to another narrative that he was putting out there in that interview that he did with us on the Zoom was that. He's just a kid from Fresno and, and his mom was a substitute teacher and his dad sold cars and I don't have much. I didn't grow up with much. And it's like, wait a minute, you, your brother turned the family into multimillionaires when he was the number one <laughs> overall pick when you were 12 years old. Uh, and you're in the fourth year of a five year, $125 million contract extension, which made you at the time, the highest paid pay. player in NFL history. So, and they, and now things happen. So now he's in line for like 140, 145, 150, maybe extension and he's on he just really turned 30 so it's interesting to watch all these narratives fly and, and everything has a meaning animus you just have to kind of pull the sheet back and look and go oh okay there it is <laughs> one of the great followers on twitter at p gutierrez espn at p gutierrez espn on twitter.com paul gutierrez the espn reporter for the las vegas raiders joining la gridiron weekly here and look uh, one more question on Derek carbon before i can start to look at just as raiders outlook so far the offseason that they had i'll focus it basically i guess it could be a team question too paul yeah. what is the expectation for Derek carr this year what, what does he have to do? Because I thought last year people said he silenced critics. I say silenced critics, but it was still a team that didn't make the playoffs, right? A team without a winning record. What is the, What are the true expectations for Derek Carr in 2021? I, I shoot myself earlier this offseason. Now you're trying to shoot me a gigger. That's my story <laughs> for next week. Okay, there it is. So yeah, now, it's, hey, that's the preview. So everybody can yeah. go check out your story. So now I need a preview. Yeah. So we check out the story <laughs> next week. <laughs> yeah, it's basically, you know, to me and in talking to people around the organization, around the league, it's like, look, every year Derek Carr has, and, and to his credit, and I will give him credit for this, he's never really complained publicly. Okay. Now, there's little messages that come out here and there, and you'll say something right. with meaning behind it, but he's never complained publicly. He didn't have a Deshaun Watson, a Russell Wilson, an Aaron Rodgers type of an offseason where he was threatening to hold out. Now, this was a different kind of an animal. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is closer to Carson Palmer in terms of, I'll just retire and not come back. Um, but the goal here is for Derek to take yet another step. He's coming off a career high in passing yards, a career high in total QBR, a career high in passer rating. Now he has a defense, supposedly, right? Right. This time, what, what the phrase is, what the theme is, is Derek Carr is now out of excuses. And this time, we really, really mean it. Because he, they, they've always been built in and baked in excuses. And as I've been told, well, Derek's not the one complaining. True, not publicly, but I mean, now the kind of built-in thing is, well, what about that offensive line? Because they rebuilt that thing from scratch now. So right. if things go haywire and he's under duress nonstop, okay, well, there it is. Uh, you know, last year he didn't have any receivers. Uh, the year before that, it was the defense kept giving things up. And that's always been a constant through this thing here. Anyway, I mean, 2016, that team was hot and ready to go. And I still believe that if he hadn't broken his leg, they would have gone to the AFC Championship game in New England, and then all bets are off at that point. So um, they need to get to the playoffs. And I'm not saying it's a make-or-break year, but contract-wise, 
the Raiders don't have to sign him up to an extension right here and now because they still got him for another two years technically. But from his perspective, all the guaranteed money is paid out. He wants a new contract in his mind. He deserves it. And if you look at the stats by themselves, he does. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But you mentioned a name, though. You said Gus Bradley. People yeah. in here in Los Angeles know Gus Bradley. He's been the defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Chargers last couple seasons. What is Gus Bradley bringing? What is he bringing to Las Vegas? What, what is he trying to infuse into this defense? Yeah, he and I'm sure you've talked to him many times. But he might be the happiest looking coach in the NFL. <laughs> He's always happy, though. <laughs> you know, and, and getting there and looking at that roster, I couldn't imagine he was smiling when he looked at the defensive roster, but they rebuilt yeah. that thing. And I asked him the other day, too. I said, look, I'm not trying to get you to compare things, but you are one of, if not the architect of the Legion of Boom. Absolutely. When you look at this secondary in particular, uh, the defense, uh, you know, in general, how much fun, how much pressure is it to be able to mold these guys? I mean, you've got a human heat-seeking missile in, in Jonathan Abram yeah, back there who often goes wayward and knocks out <laughs> his own guys, if not himself. <laughs> you got fire. Damon Arnett. Yeah, Damon Arnett, a, a first-round cornerback who needs some coaching and needs to learn how to tackle in the NFL, obviously. Yes. You got guys that need to learn how to be pros. Not, not That's not diminishing their their tackling ability or the, how they do things. It's just how to be pros, how to take care of themselves. What Charles Woodson did when he came back and showed that secondary how to do things. What you did towards the end of your tenure yeah. with the Raiders and when you went on. And, and you know, just how to be a professional. And I thought that's where Richard Sherman might come in. But uh, Casey Hayward is the guy that they're kind of looking at to do that now as well. So for Gus Bradley, they just need this defense to be competitive. And in talking the other day, Gus Bradley summed it up perfectly. He said, look, for the defense, it's simply a race to maturity. And uh, you go from there. And the offense should be humming. But again, when you talk about that offense, what's going to happen with that offensive line? Last question here for Paul Gutierrez. He's the ESPN reporter for the Las Vegas Raiders, joining LA Gridiron Weekly here. Um, we haven't mentioned his name once, but I think now it's time to figure out John Gruden. Now he's yeah. not on the he's not on the hot seat, Paul. All right. You signed a no. 10-year deal, you can't be on the hot seat, but you're going in year four and you're trying to see this team progress. And so to me, I'm looking at the expectation of John Gruden or who is the guy at fault. If the Raiders don't make the playoff to your expectation, Who's the one that's going to be at fault? People are saying it's Mike Mayock. I'm, I'm saying it has to be on the head coach. But what is this outlook for John Gruden going into 2021? It's kind of similar to Derek Carr, really. I mean, it's like we're out of excuses now, right? I mean, yes, it's, correct. and I do know this for a fact that uh, ownership and people in the front office were not. And, and when I say when you talk about the Raiders, you're talking about people in the front office. Well, we know who we're talking about, right? Yeah, we know There's only one person that's kind of running the show. Yeah. Um, and, and Mark is, is not his father. And Mark will be the first one to tell you that. But but there's there's a little leniency there. But I know that he wasn't happy with the way the defense collapsed at the end and the way the offense didn't really run the ball out and things like that towards the end of the season and those losses to the Chiefs, to the Dolphins, to the Chargers. Um, is he on the hot seat? No. Right. But there is a little, and, and, and John may actually have himself on more of a hot seat than anybody else at this point. And yet, like Derek, you can look at the numbers and go, wait a minute, we went from four wins to seven wins to eight wins. If that's not improvement, I don't know what is. Well, the ultimate goal is to get into the playoffs and see what you can do there. Unfortunately for the Raiders, they're in the same division as the Chiefs. You got the Chargers with Justin Herbert improving. Oh, yeah. And you got the Broncos who are always a thorn in their sides, as you well know. So. Um, again, it, it comes down to it's not a make or break thing. Uh, he's not on the hot seat yet by by general definition, but yeah. they need to make some noise and they need to close out better. Um, I don't have the numbers right here in front of me, but John Gruden's teams over the last 10 years that he's coached, they faded tremendously in November and December. And we've seen that the last two years when they had those hot starts and they finished seven and nine and eight and eight. So they need to finish stronger um, and, and just keep things going. The schedule is brutal, though. 
And I, like I said, John Gruden would tell you the first, he's the first person to tell you that he needs to get things going. Yeah, get, yeah, get things going indeed. Paul, I know you got to run, man. I appreciate the time. I'm just trying to figure out how many times do you get to go to Allegiant Stadium? Because I know yeah. you're a UNLV guy, so you're going for Raiders <laughs> games, you're going for UNLV Rebels game. I'm like, just go ahead and pitch a tent up in there. You guys, well, you're there every single week. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you got WrestleMania. Or, uh, WrestleMania, WrestleMania coming up. SummerSlam. Yeah. SummerSlam, Summer yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go check it out and see what's happening. But, yeah, it's 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 mind-blowing to me as a UNLV alum to see on a plot of land that I think I might have partied on back in the day. I'm not, I mean, don't quote me on that. <laughs> you and, you, and, you like and me that. both. You and me both. Exactly, exactly. So, And I know Shane Steichen told me that he still has nightmares of looking up there when he was quarterback in UNLV, looking up and seeing you at San Diego State wearing the black shield and saying, oh, my God, that's a pro football player. So yes, it's interesting sir. to see how paths kind of converge and go the other way. Man, appreciate it. Appreciate it as always, man. Thanks for the time, Paul. I know you got to run. Uh, we're going to catch up soon. Seriously, we're going to do it when it's let the summer months kind of, you know, settle down and then we'll we, uh, reconvene as we get ready for training camp. Man, Appreciate the time, Paul. Sounds good, Kirk. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Paul Gutierrez. He's the ESP reporter for the Las Vegas Raiders. More L.A. Gridiron Weekly coming up next. Oh, man, what an amazing show we've had. L.A. Gridiron Weekly, 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Great discussion today, talking all things NFL. Obviously, we just had uh, Paul Gutierrez on, talking Raiders, what John Gruden needs to do, man. So Raiders on... The focus is on the Raiders. They're opening up their brand new stadium. I've talked about it before. I had a chance to go visit uh, visit Allegiant Stadium a couple weeks back. And having been in SoFi Stadium already, man, so excited to finally see both of these stadiums, SoFi and Allegiant, packed full with fans. Um, it's going to be amazing. I can't, can't wait. Now we just got to wait. The waiting game is now. And this is the part of the waiting game that I hate it most, everybody. It's that break in between when NFL mandatory mini camps are over until the beginning of training camp. So it's about five and a half, six weeks for a guy like myself. I will tell you this uh, today, June 19th. So happy June 19th, everybody out there, new federal holiday as well. Um, so for me from now until about 4th of July, I was, I'm not gonna lie. I took a little break. I would during my playing days. I would take a small break. Just, you know, a couple workouts here and there, but finally give my body a rest. You know, guys have been going after it uh, throughout this offseason, you know, training pretty hard. Um, and then you have like the culmination is that mandatory mini camp. And then when it's over, you have that time off. And at that time off, I would just take a break for a little bit, go on a vacation, uh, relax. And then for me, the the day in which it gets real, like this was and I always called it the 4th of July weekend. 4th of July weekend in the NFL is uh, one week away, actually, or a couple weeks away. So not next weekend, but the weekend after. So you got about two two weeks of guys kind of relaxing, getting their last little bit of whether it's hanging out, whether it's partying, whatever you need to do to get you ready for an NFL season. Because right after that, it's time to go. It is go time. So for me, my training day was always July 5th. That's right, July 5th. 4th of July was my last day that I would usually, you know, party a little bit, have a good time, have a couple of drinks, whatever it may be, a couple of dope beverages. But July 5th 
was when I went to the, uh, like LeBron used to call it, the uh, zero dark 30. That's what I would do. Zero dark 30 because my mind was all about football. It was training twice a day, getting ready for training camp, getting ready for the rigors of what training camp comes. And so that's that uh, that's that time, you know, that you have in between. So for me, I know I uh, I know what this time is like. Now, I've seen it on both ways, both sides of it. You have the football active player side where you get a chance to vacation and you get a chance to relax a little bit. But then you think about the analyst side, like the show hosting side, there is literally no NFL news. The NFL news is now done. So you got to kind of get creative. And that's what we'll be doing. We're going, we are going to be doing here on LA Gridiron Weekly. We're going to get creative. I got some things that we are going to uh, have set up over the next couple weeks as we prepare over these next five weeks as we prepare for NFL training camps coming to you very, very soon. But like we always do, let's get ready, everybody. Here is the two-minute warning. It's time for the two-minute drill on L.A. Gridiron Weekly. Ah, the two-minute drill here on L.A. Gridiron Weekly. So this week, EA Sports released their Madden cover. All my video game players out there, yes, Madden the game. I've been on Madden before. I've loved all the games that I've been on with Madden. I've had high ratings. I've had low ratings, but I've been on the cover. I've not been on a cover. I've been on the game. This week, Madden released their 2022 cover, and guess who's on the cover? Tom Brady. But he's also sharing a cover with Patrick Mahomes. It's the first time that you have two players who've been on the game previously on the cover, will now be sharing a cover. So Madden 2022 has Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and I feel like, is this like a GOAT edition? Like, because they call, you know, obviously Tom Brady is the GOAT GOAT, and then you have the baby GOAT and Patrick Mahomes, and the big GOAT beat the baby GOAT in the Super Bowl and all that good stuff. So this could be the GOAT edition. (laughs) That's kind of funny, but... Shout out to uh, Madden uh, coming out, obviously, in August when the season gets a little bit closer. I cannot wait to uh, play a little bit of Madden this year, man. I'm starting to get that that, that urge. So shout out to uh, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, first athletes to don that cover multiple times. Well, that is about it here on LA Gridiron Weekly. Great show we had for you. Special thanks again to our guest, Eric D. Williams, Sports Illustrated reporter for the Rams. Fernando Ramirez, Sports Illustrated reporter for the Chargers. Paul Gutierrez, ESPN reporter for the Las Vegas Raiders. For our producer, Jesse Lopez. For my board engineer, Mr. Steve Pallett, this is Kirk Morrison, and you've listened to LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN.